Thank you so much for tuning in to episode six of the Modern Game Podcast. This week, uh, we plan to talk about winning and what does it take to win on So Rare. I think there's been a, a bunch of chat within the community this week about winning and I think people potentially feeling they should be winning, but they're not. Uh, so the sort of general premise and thoughts I had around this conversation were around expectations. You know, what does it take to win? I think, you know, my example of myself is that outside of the uh, competition, the one shot, is it, it actually took me quite a long time to win regularly on so rare main game and sort of you know step up into a competitive position so i think i've got a, a really interesting you know point of view on this but we're gonna have to try and keep on topic because everything seems to have blown up today you know i thought we were having a nice friday you know sort of roll into the weekend with the podcast recording and you know sort of really you know enjoy enjoy the weekend from a sorrow perspective and then <laughs> suddenly we've got a bunch of major dmps and sorrow have uh, dropped the fact that they're going to be covering the second leagues on us in basically next weekend so trying to keep on topic today is going to be it's going to be tough but you know let's start with with yourself josh how are you feeling um, yeah, good. Uh, I'm I'm annoyed about my U23 lineup. It looks like Anthony is not going to play at the weekend due to the transfer saga with Manchester United. Um, I only had one U23 entry this week uh, due to Nicholas Heddle not having a fixture at the weekend. Um, so yeah, that I th that looks dead. And it's like it's a pretty smasher lineup. It's like Timber, Sywold, Safanov. Anthony and Sesco. So yeah, that's very disappointing. Um, apart from that, I am good. Um, I don't have any second division players myself. I didn't speculate on any um, moving forward, but I don't, I think some people are like slightly upset that they can be played in all-star in U23. Um, I was sort of like, if any second divisions ever did come, I was always expecting that. I don't really think that that Obviously, it's good they get their own regional division whenever that comes. They say this autumn, don't they? So, you know, whether that is... Um, I don't imagine it's going to be Game Week 300. I think it's like in the meantime, they can be used in um, All-Star and U23. And then, um, you know, when they drop the second division uh, league or, you know, whatever they're going to call it, um, then they can be used in regionals as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely positive. And yeah, I don't, I don't really see why... Like, I don't see how people are complaining that they can be used in... U23 and All-Star, like every card in the game can be used in U23 and All-Star. So I don't see why these particularly yeah. should be different. Um, I, like I get it's second division football, but some of the second divisions, the championship is like arguably, like we've just had the Eletisiran drop. Um, if you stuck Rosenborg in the championship, would they finish top? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't know. Obviously, John Burke. Or exactly. Right. Tale into the championship, but they finished top. Probably yeah. not. Exactly. Like, I suppose that it's quite interesting that you bring this up because I feel like a lot of people are just unhappy with the concept of any change. Mm. And I think sure. that this actually touches on the the sentiment that I've seen this week with regards to winning and what it takes to win, but also the Sero Data subscription. Like that, there was just like the most obvious thing that would be happening to that business at some point in the future, yet people still seem to be just misupset about it because it is change. And I think like a lot of the stuff that, you know, people now are in Discord general being like, ah, oh, why is it, why are they going to include in, in here? But, you know, are they any weaker than the K-League? No really or like honestly and i think that like yeah. you know the, the the there is just like misc amount of frustration and anger around change and i think that this does play into where you know what does it take to win because what it takes to win changes it evolves over time you know like if you like you know it's for people to simultaneously want their players values to rise but then also to be surprised that Sora has got more competitive. Like that, that's the sort of like, if I boil down the sentiment, I've seen like a few, you know, quite early adopters this week getting frustrated and, and selling their galleries. But then you, you have to question 
like have they adapted have they evolved have they you know changed their strategy as a result of the changing gameplay dynamics and the changing gameplay dynamics isn't just the number of teams covered the number of managers playing but also the game formats you know i yeah. i initially didn't really have any focus on limited i sort of dipped in for a little bit dipped back out and then when they reintroduced specialists I came straight back in because I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, there's a really good opportunity to win here. You know, it's obviously highly competitive. There's a, you know, a lot of luck involved, but that was a decision that I made, which goes against my initial plan of not stepping into limited. So I feel that, you know, that there needs to be an element of flexibility and it feels like the, the frustration seems to come from the user base who are actually quite rigid in their approach and have just kind of sat on cards for a long time and are expecting them to yield. Whereas you can, you know, what does it take to win? An element of it for me is knowing when to sell. Uh, you know, you know, there's certain players like, you know, I've sold players last week to strengthen lineup, which has then helped me win in midweek. Yes, I sold that card for under the last sale. Um, but with the money that I generated, I then bought a card that's won me a player in midweek that is worth more than the difference between what I sold in order to generate a quick sale. So I think like, I'd be really interested in your perspective on it because, you know, I think like a core part of remaining competitive is ensuring flexibility and ensuring that you adapt to the, the changing dynamics of the gameplay. And I think that, you know, a key part of that is you don't see, like if you compare it to football in real world, real life, you rarely see, let's exclude buy-in from this, but you rarely see teams dominate continuously. Like, Yeah, I think one thing, not necessarily linked to changing gameplay dynamics, but something I've always realised or placed greater value on than the rest of the player base, I think, is that you've always got to be buying new cards to, to give yourself the best chance of winning. And I don't mean like actually maybe that's the wrong way of putting it you've got to buy cards that not many other people can have if you really want to like win tournaments like it's great running um a full club brugger stack but realistically they've got like 250 cards of each player now on the mm -hmm. platform from club brugger right so if you're doing that the chance of someone else doing the same as you is actually pretty high Right. So, you know, it's the same with like picking lottery numbers. If you're picking a very common number, a very, you know, a very common sequence of lottery numbers, the time it comes in, you're going to have 50 other winners as well. Right. You know, if I, I don't know the popular sequences. I don't play the lottery, but I have heard before of like the lottery numbers coming in and then lots of people having to share a relatively small amount of money compared to what the total you know lottery sum is. And I think there's, so you can draw some similar analytics towards so rare. I very much like buying cards which are scarce so that when they do well, that I can be one of only very few people that can win, right? Um, and that has been sort of how I've had, how I've managed to win in SO5 um, previously. You know, my Challenger D3 wins, uh, one of them was with um, a half rapid, half Spartak Moscow stack when Austria first dropped. So, like, not many people had Rapid Vienna cards at all, and they won a game 5-0, and um, I had the strikers from their team. They both scored 100, Droif and, uh, not Droif, sorry, Grull and Erchen Kara at the time. Um, and then, yeah, you know, they propelled me to a, to a Division 3 win. And that is always something I've placed massive value on, you know, the, the ability to play a card which not many other players can have. And again, one of the reasons why I buy lots of Russian cards because they're not being minted anymore and because there's very few mints altogether um you know maybe not so much for the zenith players but again they're not being minted anymore um you know uh, when zenith do really well or when russian premier league when a certain russian premier league card does well that i have i know that not many other players can have it and it's like it's almost like comparing it to division one you know um ynwa had ridiculous success last season running a full liverpool stack in unique division and uh mm -hmm. champion d1 right um because he literally was the only player that could have a Liverpool stack. He bought all the Liverpool cards. So, you know, when they did well, he was the only one that could win, right? And, you know, unless someone else did, uh, you know, also amazingly well. Um, so 
I like you know when we talk about what it takes to win not necessarily gameplay dynamics but I think scarcity is like the biggest thing and it's one of those things I always say to people is like if you have more scarce cards you have a better chance of coming first if you have a team which sticks up 500 points you're, you're going to do well you you know you're obviously going to come very high in the leaderboards you're going to get your star prize etc or whatever but if it's a very popularly selected team you know last year if we have a look at you know say Pasphere Martinez Lissandro Martinez Hans Vanneken, Tadic, and one other. You know, if you play that team, that team's going to knock your 500 points out lots, or it did last year. Um, but loads of other people were running the same team. Well, not loads, but, you know, quite a few people. Yeah. And again, this effect is compounded at limited level. If there's any people playing limited that are listening, you know, you obviously you need to be able to have the cards that can get you up to the big scores. So I'm not saying just go and buy the scarcest cards possible, even if they're rubbish, because, you know, obviously you still need to have players players available. And if you look at my gallery, I've got a bunch of IX players and I stack IX regularly. Um, but I always try and make sure there's a bit of a differential in my lineup, which has a scarcity-based element that not many other players can have. Mm. Um, and therefore, you know, when it does hit, I don't come sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth. I come first or second or third, basically. Um, and that is one of the things, and I still think it's massively undervalued in the game today. Like loads of people get on your SO5 simulators, your, you know, Sora Data have them now when you're doing a lineup builder. This this team would have scored you X amount of points in X game week. And, you know, that's that's great. And lots of people, I think, build lineups like this and think, you know, if I can hit 500 points, I'm going to be winning or getting a podium, etc. But really... What you know, you're not playing against a a, a, a metric or um, yourself, you, or you know, or a game. You're playing against other managers, and in order to win, you have to beat other managers. And if they're playing the same cards as you, then that that becomes really difficult. Um, yeah. So if you can find an edge where you have cards which um, you know are very powerful, but also not many people can have then it just it gives you a huge edge, I think, in SO5. Um, I think the most relatable example I can think of this recently, um, we're both in a in a chat with Nepenthes, and he has a um, Super Air Vavro, the only one on the game, right? There's no other Super Air Vavros. And he got an offer from uh, Gamble or someone, I think it was, um, a, you know, a, a, a decent offer, just over like 3.5x the rare or something. Um, and he was basically like, do, you know, do I sell this or do I keep it? And I basically said to him, you know, like, that card is a smasher at the minute, like, you know, in his new setting, um, transferring to Denmark from Lazio. And there's you've got the only one, like no one else can have it. So when he scores 100, like, you, you yeah. know, that's such a big edge on the rest of the competition you're playing in, whether it be in Challenger or in All Star, etc. So I think that's I think that's the sort of the main point that that I was thinking when it comes to like what it takes to win. When it comes to changing gameplay dynamics, like you mentioned, sorry, I've gone the really long way around answering your question. But when it comes when it comes to that, I think you're absolutely right. Like my initial assessment on the the new specialist tournaments, the underdog, the the specialist um, was like, oh, you know, I want to stay away from these and um and see what you know see what the score is with them before i actually go into them and you know i'm still going to prioritize the main so5 tournaments um and i think that's probably like a wrong a wrong summary for me like if you can get in ahead of the rest of the competition have an edge in a new competition and evolve to that competition then i think that's a positive so5 play to do like um one of the chaps, I'm really sorry, I forget his name, but went to the London meetup, won the, I think the first or the second underdog rare and won a Cameron Carter Vickers um, mm. rare for, for winning the underdog rare. And in his tournament, there was 406 entrants in underdog rare that week. It was a weekend. It was like the first or second edition. Yeah. How many entrants are there going to be for underdog rare this week? Now people have realized that you can win star rare cards. You don't need a goalkeeper. 4,000 yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right? Maybe more. So, you know what it takes to win is very much i think i sort of agree with your summary of like it's evolving it's trying to find opportunities within so5 to mm -hmm. do something a bit different to what other people are doing and yeah you know really capitalize on on having an edge on whether it be with scarcity with like my um you know my example or just you know seeing that there's a, a gap in one particular tournament and saying, actually, you know, I'm going to focus on that. And again, similar to what you did with Specialist Limited when you did you win, you won, didn't you? Did I you did, win? yeah, I yes. did. It was it was interesting. And you say about 
like level of competition is yeah. I won in a week where SoRare didn't list the prize pool in the game. It was listed right. on medium. And straight away I was like, people are going to overlook this because they look on SoRare and it shows zero prizes. Yeah. But they communicated the prizes elsewhere. So I really targeted and I, I actually put a bit of bit of ETH in to, to go at that division that week. And I went for players like Obliakov and Isidore specifically for that differential purpose. Because I was like, right. I know if they hit, very few people would have picked them. Mm-hmm. Combined with the fact that I think people will overlook this uh, division this week because they can't see like what's right in front of them uh, in terms of the prizes. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd be honest, I, yeah, a win's a win. I will take it. But I, I did definitely win because that division was overlooked that week. And sure. I, But again, like... The reason I went for players like Isidore and Oblikov is because I observed this. Um, essentially, the, the, what you've been talking about is, is differentials being more important. The, the, the stat that I find crazy is that I have won more with Tiani Reinders in the last month than I have with Carlos <laughs> Gill. Right? Because the issue is, is I normally play, and I've actually done it differently this weekend. I've put Carlos Gill in, um, in uh, Global uh, All-Star Rare, which right. no doubt PSU is going to be raging at and he's going to call me a moron on Twitter. But the problem I've been having is that when Gil hits and I'm playing him in Global All-Star Rare Pro, I'm going up against like 80 other Gills right. in Rare and then like 20 Gil Super Rares. So like, you know, I've had weeks where like I've really hit and like last week was one of them and I won a Diego Rubio, but... I hit and got like 430, 440 points and came like 60th because Gil hit and he put like up 93. But then what you had in front of me was a bunch of the people that have got Gil with more experience or the Gil super rep. So, you know, even my strongest lineup isn't strong enough to beat the competitors when Gil hits. So then I've been like, you know, I've had better success with Gil putting him in uh, America three, uh, I don't think I'll ever put him in America 4, but I put him in Global 4 just because I'm like, okay, well, the problem I'm having now is like, it's not about him, it's about the rest of my lineup. Um, And I think that this is one thing that is like massively overlooked because I saw the other week, like someone posted a a picture of like the top 20 in Limited All-Star and they're basically all the same team, (laughs) albeit with slightly different XP on it. And I'm just like, you know, that's, that's great. And like, people can be like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, they've won. And like, you know, but then at the same time, knowing that people behave like that and Mbappe DMP'd in the first game of the season. So if you are playing against the grain, you know, that in weeks like that will happen like this, then you've got significantly more opportunity because you've gone for a differential because you know, like today we were talking about it. Like, Anthony and Masaila out this weekend probably wipes out like you know twenty percent of the strongest teams that were entered Meccano. in yeah. under twenty three. Yeah, exactly. And and what you sort of see is like the differential can be your friend, and I think that the differential we will see it becoming more and more important as the user base grows. And I think like what you can see happening in limited now will be to a lesser extent seen in rare is that, you know, we're now on what a fifth season of Belgian league cards. So yeah, 2018, 19 is yeah. So yeah. So we're on a fifth season of Belgian league cards. Players like Hans Vanneken have been around for every season. So mm-hmm. if Hans Vanneken smashes, there's, there could be feasibly like 300 other rares yeah, out there. Exactly. Probably played yeah. in challenger. And, and this is the thing is like, that is something that you you know you have to consider and it, like it's funny when when um when people were really really complaining about the limited the other week is i'm like that is a manifestation of their behavior in the sense that everyone wants the same team. does the same thing yeah everyone does the same thing so then it's like okay well if you know that's happening then there it's is an opportunity different. to go against the grain because there will be times where you know Mbappe is rested. There will be a week where Haaland undoubtedly gets an injury. Um, and, you know, you look at the sort of the behaviours that you see is there there is an opportunity to be competitive to go against the grain because you don't need to win every week to do well on so rare. But I feel like sometimes I see it as like there is almost like an expectation or an entitlement from people that they should be winning every week. And I'm like, sure. 
that that's where I find it I find it really interesting because you know actually it's not like unless you're coming in and spending an absolute fortune the expectation of winning every week is is frankly delusional like yeah. it's just not realistic so then you know and it, I sort of see it like this week with the, the complaining about so rare data is it's like this sort of like free money complex of like you know, so, so it isn't meant to be easy. You know, like all like people, I'm mean, no doubt someone's going to come into Twitter and be like, "Oh, but you know, you, you've complained about rewards in the past." And I'm like, "Yes, I've complained about rewards, but in the sense of like quality and consistency of the pools, I've never thought so rare should be easy. I think it should be attainable. I think like you know, you should feel like you have the chance to win, but at yeah. the same time, it, is it is it really is determined by you know your strategy and how you play the game and i think the you know the sort of crazy thing in seeing like all the comments this week about you know people not winning and then the cost of so rare data is i, I just i don't know like i was sort of like what is your level of expectation because like frankly i put a ton of time in the game like if you look at like the the size of my gallery now and the time i put in the game like i'm putting in a lot of effort and I still don't have expectation that I should be winning every week. Like I, you know, I, I'd like, you know, I would like to hope that I could win a sort of T1 a month, but yeah, you know, that, you know, that all depends on a lot of variables and like sometimes luck comes into it. Like, sure. you know, some people will get lucky this week because Anthony and, and Musaila being out has wiped out a bunch of the strongest under 23 teams. Yep. Is that going to be replicable every single week? No. But if you win a decent prize and you reinvest that into, you know, you sell that and reinvest that into your team, then you have become stronger because of it. Yeah. And I think that this is where, like, you sort of butts into it a little bit is if you are someone that tries to follow the grain and buys the most popular players that everyone else wants is their price becomes inflated as the nature of the scarcity. And, you know, like some of the, some of the prices are wild. Like the differences in, in limited of like the most popular players and other players that mm, kind of score similarly, score but is similar. not as well known yeah. is a frankly insane so then yeah. i'm like if people are like, oh i can't believe i'm not winning with this and it's like well okay we've got the like the exactly you've paid way over the odds for an identical lineup that other hundreds of the managers are playing that week yeah so i don't know like what i suppose like it'd be interesting to talk to you because i think you we both joined at a similar time but took slightly different approaches whereas i kind of went rare in in all leagues you focus more on super rare and with a real sort of laser focus on the european leagues yep we've been around for a similar time we've taken different approaches but i mean what are, what are your expectations like and what like what do you what do you think that you've had to do or you've had to change to remain competitive because i feel like i'm winning more now than I did when I first started. But that just, yeah. I think a big part of that has come down to experience. And I've been quite ruthless with like how I want to build my team and selling off cards that I'm not using. And like, yeah, I just would be really interested to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, but I didn't actually realize you were, you joined the platform five days after me. So we literally have been like literally the exact same amount of time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, I, so one thing, I think I've always done is gone against the grain a bit. And I don't, I, this maybe sounds like I'm saying I'm the best solo manager in the world. I'm definitely not. It's, <laughs> it's just, um, it's just sort of the way I've done things because I've realized like, you know, like you say, especially it's compounded in the limited competitions, but I thought it initially when I started playing the rare ones, you know, if I'm, if I'm just running the same teams as everyone else, I'm never going to win. And my goal always in SO5 is to come first. Like I'm just one of those people that just likes to come first, basically. It's only ever happened three times. Um, but one of the, so the main thing I, I do and still continue to do is play my best lineups in Challenger. Um, so l lots of people will give me grief for this. PSU again will probably be saying, what the heck are you doing? Um, 
but yeah, like loads of people say, you know, you should always play your best lineups in All Star or U23 or whatever because they've got the biggest prizes. And I get that. And, you know, there's no denying that you can obviously win the best prizes in those competitions. However, if the majority of people are playing their best cards in those divisions, they are therefore more competitive. And also, I've got, without again, trying to sound like an idiot, the best challenger cards, in my opinion. You know, I've got Zenit stacks, Ajax stacks. Celtic stacks, Salzburg stacks, you name it, a lot, okay? So if I'm playing the best cards that I think is possible in Challenger and someone else has got the same cards, they're more likely to play them in All-Star because they're the absolute smashers, right? And it's really then me versus like the top 1% of the platform which has all the cards six times over and therefore can play whatever cards they want in whatever division, right? There's not, you know, the top whales really don't, you know, they can play... They've probably got like three Malcolms this week who's playing Torpedo Moscow, one of them being Super S. They can just stick them wherever they want, right? But for the majority of the platform, they have to make a decision. Do I play this Durian Timber in Challenger or U23 or All-Star? And for me, for the most part, I'll play him in Challenger because that's the way I like to roll. And when he scores 100, less managers will have him in Challenger than they will in U23 and in All-Star. And it, the effect compounds with a player like Timber who is U23 eligible and I do run an awful lot of U23 cards in Challenger. Um, this week alone, my Challenger D3 team, or Challenger Rare Pro team, sorry, has Lucas Ucic and Fernando Super Rare in. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, those cards would normally be used by in U23 by the managers. I'm putting them in Challenger so that, you know, less people can have them there. And, and if they do hit big, again, it comes down to my scarcity sort of um, element there. But um, but yeah, then then you know I can win. Um, so yeah, I think that's like the main the main thing that I do is sort of go against the grain um, and etc. And yeah, I think it's a good point you make. Like um, I've always just stuck to playing with challenger cards. I've had initially, um, you know, you mentioned how you've got better as as you've been on so rare longer. That's definitely the case with me. Like originally I bought like Luis Suarez and some other uh, Thomas Partey, some other champion cards and ran them in all-star with, you know, a bunch of challenger players and had really, really, really low success rate. Um, See, so yeah, I started in, just have a quick look at this. I started in February 21 and my first win was in game week one four six. Hmm. Which is maybe like March, actually. But then I didn't win anything else until game week one five two. Um but to be fair that's probably the start of the next season. But yeah, my win percentage on Sura Data, which I don't tend to look at particularly with too much um seriousness because at the start of the game i had a lot of weaker lineups than i have now and also i play a lot of lineups like this week i've got a challenger team with four super rares and one rare and i'm not even sure that the four super rares are going to start so you know that's probably dead so i play a lot of lineups with like lottery tickets that you know if they hit fantastic if not it doesn't really matter so yeah but yeah my win percentage has sort of gone up from like nine percent to sixteen percent in like the last eight months basically and i've been on the platform 20 months and i think the, the main reason for that is i've gained an experience i've learned how to set a better so5 lineup i've learned what areas of my team i need to plug instead of stopping buying challenger forwards that i would you know like the look of etc you know i've been more um i've had a better thought process about what purchases i'm making and therefore putting into my teams um and yeah, just always trying to sort of optimize the, the most the most effective lineups. And I think that is sort of the, the best lesson on the way to win is to optimize your SO5 lineups. Like don't play as many lineups as you possibly can because ultimately you're weakening, you're diluting the strength of your gallery to try and play as many tournaments as possible and therefore you're, you're playing a weaker range of cards. You know, yeah. identify key areas which you think you're really strong in and you know, build your best teams. And if that means you're only putting out one, two, three teams a, a, a game week, you know, but you could be putting out five, that's okay because, you know, the one, two, three are going to have a much better chance of winning a top prize than five. You know, you might put out five teams and get two tier threes, but if you'd put out two teams, you'd have won a star prize. And that's, you know, again, that's the sort of 
the thing that you should, in my opinion, really be sort of knuckling down on creating a, a team which is well composed that you think is, you know, has a really good chance to smash and hit yourself high at that level. Honestly, like that was the, one of the biggest learnings that I made is yeah. early days. I spread myself way too thin yeah. and I'm thinking like, oh, but I don't want to leave that guy out because that guy could do really well this weekend. And then by doing yeah. that, I ended up having like one good guy in five lineups rather than five good guys in one lineup. Um, and, you know, the amount of times I'd be within like five points of a prize and then I'd look at another lineup and be like, oh, if only those two had been in together. So, yeah, I think that was a big learning for me is like it's kind of like similar vibes to like knowing when to sell yes knowing when to leave someone out and like you know uh, you know i've I've left some you know, some fairly strong players out this weekend like just because i mean like not to brag but like because of the depth of the gallery but it would have been very easy for me to spread them out and go thinner and like you know i've changed my strategy this week because my super rare goalkeeper that i normally run in d3 is lanzalotta of aaj in argentina and because of the weird timing it's like they're actually next midweek so rather than like try and force the issue like i've left out some quite good super rares this week and i've left out some good players but because i was like if i'm being honest with myself i'm spreading myself too thin so i've gone with like what i'd consider three competitive lineups that i think could go for sort of tier one and, and be in that sort of mix because you know in all honesty to win a division or to win a star you need a lot to go in your favor like, yeah. you need a huge <laughs> amount of luck like you really do like you can do you can kind of you know try and create your own luck and put yourself in a really good position but I don't really ever go into a you know weekend or a week midweek with any expectation of a start price. Like I'm like I'm aiming to be like T1 or above. Like if I can get that then I'm you know I'm really happy. Yeah. And like you know you'll you'll sometimes get lucky and you'll get a star. But you know that is honestly I think like not talked about enough is mm. like being really critical with yourself and with your gallery because yeah. it's very easy to dream and be like oh but if i you know if i put another one in then i've got another chance of winning another prize and you know there's there's very few people on this game like that have the opportunity to like not the opportunity like hang on sorry there's very few people on this game that have the strength of gallery to be competitive in all of the divisions every like you're probably yeah. honestly like there's less than 100 managers realistically yeah like and even like our gallery sizes i you know realistically we could probably get out three or four per week lineups that we think you know what actually that's in with a very good chance yeah like, i think i sort of look like my challenger d3 and d uh, sorry challenger rare and rare pro and all-star rare pro are like lineups i try to make as good as possible yeah. and then sort of go from there you know yeah yeah and that's the thing as well is like and also like you know being adapting to the circumstances because like i like to prioritize challenger like challenger is one of the divisions that i i focus on you know i, I really follow the belgian league you know and I, but this weekend i've not got andelect um right. i've not got az so i was looking at uh, like who do I have? I've got the guys from Graz, which actually like the defensive stack at Graz this week is you know fairly solid. But then midfield, I was lacking hope. I was lacking like, and I was looking at it and I'm like, why? Why? Like I, I don't just I shouldn't just set a challenger team for the sake of it because in reality we've got Ajax, Senate, and Celtic all yeah. like primed to completely smash. I've not got players from any of those teams. So I'm just entering for the sake of it. So I actually challenger Europe was the one that I dropped this week. I was yep. like, okay, well, I'll just drop that. And you know, I'm then just using the, the goalkeeper and defender in in um all-star and leaving out a bunch of players. But the alternative was to just put in two really half-baked sides into all-star and challenger, which are actually some of the most competitive divisions at rare level. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's honestly like such, such an important point to think about is like really know your own gallery. And I think like what, you know, it's been talked about in the past of like this quality over quantity, but what I find really, really interesting 
about a lot of the managers that I saw, like basically complaining about not winning this week. They had a load of cards. Like I'm talking hundreds of cards. But if you actually looked at the quality of those cards, they were all like, you know, you'd sort of look through, you'd sift through a gallery of over 100 cards and go, oh, I don't really know, like, you know, how am I picking two strong lineups out of this? And I think that comes back to the point of like really knowing your own gallery, knowing your strengths and knowing when to sell, if that's the route you want to go down. Because yeah. there's different ways that you can be successful on the game. Like you, you know, someone could consider winning, buying a load of cards for a young injured DNP goalkeeper. And when he starts, you know that, you know, he's, he's going to suddenly accumulate in price. That is a form of winning. Yeah. But I think what you almost have is like some people that get lost in the middle where they are speculating on a ton of cards but they've done so much speculating that they then don't really have very strong lineups. So this sort of week in, week out gameplay isn't very enjoyable for them because they're not really winning a lot. And you sort of question then is like, okay, well, is it worth selling off a bunch of these cards to have competitive lineups? Or am I still focusing on the speculate to accumulate strategy? Because they're ultimately different and they also kind of conflict with each other. Because for every card you're speculating on, that's ETH that you've tied up in a player that's never going to leave your training lineups. Yeah. So I think that's where like a bit of friction comes in as well. And I just thought it was interesting, like observing the accounts that were very vocal on this topic of the points required to win and not winning. Is I'm like, okay, well, yes, they're higher. Like I think it's natural to expect that Soro was going to get more more competitive as more people joined. Like the good times. Uh, you know, for people that are like people, I think that uh, like were early adopters, and I, I wouldn't call us early adopters because we joined right in the middle of that boom. I think people that had joined yeah. before us in the sort of time where you could buy like any card for 10 pounds <laughs> and you like <laughs> would sell them for a lot more about three weeks later. Um, that strategy is frankly useless now that like, you can't just buy any card and hope that it will speculate because it's just not the case. There's, there's a lot more cards. There's a lot more people bidding on them. Like there's a ton of stuff happening. So I think, yeah, one of the things that I've observed is that conflict between speculating and being competitive. And I, I think that, you know, ultimately they are two different strategies. They're two ways of winning, but they are fundamentally at odds with each other. And I think like that's one area where I feel that you and I, share a similar approach in the sense that we're very focused on immediate utility like so what, what can the cards that i have in my gallery you know how can they help me win now as in win is in winning prizes and, and winning tournaments and being competitive and i think that that's you know that's something that, that i've always been a real advocate for and, and yes i have you know sometimes taken losses on players i've sold them for cheaper than i maybe could have if I'd held on to them for another six months. But having players that are sat in my gallery just filling up training squads is not, you know, it's not the strategy that I'm employing. And I think that's yeah. you know, sort of a real important point is that, you know, you, you need to be, you know, everyone's not got a limit, limitless pot of cash. Um, you know, we need to be able to move players on in order to remain competitive, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think one thing that I've done wrong is uh, I just hold U23 goalkeepers forever. And I don't, well, maybe it isn't wrong, but like Mantle, Verbruggen, and Gorta, like there were times this, this uh, postseason where they were all trading for like, well, Mantle like 1.2, Gorta 2 ETH, Verbruggen 2 ETH. And I've just held them all. And like you say, uh, you know, they're they're way down. It's in Mantle's price now. The last auction was 0. 0.4 for Nico yeah. Mantle. I should have sold him that week before the uh before well, yeah, the season absolutely. pumped pumped based on a friendly appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I think we spoke about this, didn't we? I was like, I'm tempted to sell him and buy him back. I never did. And I th again, I think like you say, selling, you know, when to sell is another one of those things which can really help you win because you know, if you're if you're selling cards for the wrong price in a good way, then 
that can definitely you know that can definitely go in your favor you get to use the eth the opportunity cost of that you know that you get to use the eth in a more positive manner to improve your lineup and therefore you know make yourself stronger i think another thing on the flip side of that is like i was getting tons of offers when only dynamo zagreb that when only croatia russia and denmark were back i was getting tons of mm. offers for my zagreb players i got like a, a 2.2 eth offer for josip misic super air and there's some offers for Lantratov, which were ridiculous. Uh, Astro Sarostra actually sold his Lantratov like 0.96. Um, mm. And, you know, just on game week deadline, like with that lock when those leagues were back. Um, and I didn't sell any of my cards because I wanted to try and win SO5. And I think that, again, is like another thing that people need to consider, you know, how how far are you willing to go to win? Um, I saw on Twitter this past midweek, Tony Watt sold his Odysseus into the, into the deadline. Um and ran four players in All-Star and got the threshold comfortably. He got like 320 points if he kept it this year. So he got a clean sheet and won a tier one. So, like, you know, those decisions on when to sell a player and when not to sell a player and how, how um, you know, how much you want to back your lineup. You know, Astro got that offer of 0.96 for... Lantratov and Snap sold him because he didn't have any other cards to go with him that game week. Mm. I didn't sell him because I had a full team of of RPL players that I could roll with him and therefore win a prize, I, you know, and did win prizes. Mm. So again, I think, you know, do I sell now and, and reinvest or um, withdraw everything you want to do with the money? Um, mm. Or do I keep the player and, and, you know, put him to work in, in SO5 and try and yield that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I've, I've done the same. And I know it sort of like builds upon our conversation about midweeks that we had, but I've been selling cards recently to free up money to buy for midweeks because I know that I've got three or four good players that all it needs is like to build out that team. You maybe need one player with a good good fixture. So, you know, I bought Hannah's Delcroix for next midweek. Yep. You know, I sold, you know, who did I sell? Oh, Trezeguet. So I sold Trezeguet of right. um, uh, Sport. I could have probably sold Trezeguet for a lot more if I'd held on to him because he's in, frankly, a really terrible run of form at the moment. But then I would have gone into a week with, you know, four under 23 players and the you know, expected outcome of that would not be to win the division or not be to challenge for top prizes. So then actually by shifting out of Trezeguet and into Delcroix, I've suddenly now got a competitive lineup for next midweek where in all honesty, there's only about eight teams playing. So the chances of, you know, like, you know, 100 other managers having competitive lineups is is fairly low. So, yeah, I think it's always that trade-off in, you know, deciding what what to do and, and when. And, you know, being able to, like, stick with your guns on it as well and, and sort of have conviction on what is the approach that you're taking? What is your edge? Like how can you leverage the way that you play this game to increase your chances of winning? Um, and yeah, yeah, I think that point you made was was brilliant. And like, you know, specialists this weekend, I've jumped in and put in a player from the Norway Elistraten because I'm like, I don't think many people are going to dive yeah. into Norway players considering they've only just been been put on the game. And I think like, particularly at limited level having differentials is is key yeah, and i think yeah. like what's now as well is the amount of lineups that i've seen in specialist limited that have been killed because tony cruz is out injured yeah. is unbelievable because everyone went at cruz as their like under 60 point right. player because i think he's like, like 58 or 59 yeah <laughs> great fixture but again like everyone went for cruz so now suddenly the cruise is out. It's probably wiped out like 20% of the specialist <laughs> limited teams this weekend. Like on honest truth, like it, it is. And I think that, that that sort of comes back to that, that point around, um, around your differentials. And I think it, it's absolutely going to become more and more important in this game. Yeah. Uh, I think I, for some reason, text the impact players section on the game week center on Sarah data isn't working. There's been a few times I wanted to pull it up in uh, in this pod just so we could have a look at like how many people play Gil in Gas Three or Gas Four or America, you know. Um, mm. 
but yeah, it's not working, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think you're always going to have those popular picks in Specialist Limited. And sometimes you need to go with that as well, right? You need to have a few of the popular picks. But then, you know, like you say, if you can differentiate on even just one position, then, you know, and if that position pops off, then you know, that can make a really, a really big difference for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that ties back into expectations because, you know, we, we talk about the differential and helping you to win, but also, like you said, you kind of need to mark, there's an element of acknowledging the players that are going to score really well. Yeah. And the fact that you, you have to outscore them. And the reason that the, all these players are popular because they tend to consistently score very well. So if you are then developing a strategy that is on a lower budget, that is trying to go against the grain of, you know, a completely meta under 23 side with Donnarumma and Haaland and Mbappe, then you need to acknowledge that that strategy is not going to win every single week. Um, you know, it's going to be those rare occasions that you get, you know, a DMP for one of the absolute hitters that you your chances of winning have suddenly drastically increased. Um, and I think that's like an important part of like setting expect, like realistic expectations for what what this approach or what this strategy or what this budget even is is going to going to achieve. And you know, I think that you know it was really really interesting looking at. You know, one of the lineups that I saw this week is, you know, someone had the fortune of winning an Mbappe Limited. Oof. But Mbappe Limited is about 50% of their entire gallery value. And they are now running Mbappe every single week with a team of like players that you can't even be confident that they're going to start. So, you know, that again is like a strategic decision. Like Mbappe might be your best player. But if you can't get a good team around him, then is there any point in owning an Mbappe? Would you not be better off selling that and you know diluting that ETH across four or five players so you you know you have a competitive team rather than just like one complete smasher in a in a you know team of the CFDMPs essentially? Yeah, that sounds incredibly poor SFI playing to me. Like I don't know like, why you do that. Yeah, you have no, to have a balance. You have if to you're have gonna, balance. you know, if you're gonna have, yeah, that makes no sense. Like, just sell the Mbappe and and have a decent side which can win when Mbappe doesn't score a hundred. Yeah. Would be my, yeah, would be absolutely. my thought process. Like, if you know, fair play if you get the Mbappe and you've already got like a decent, you know, a solid U twenty three lineup. Then yeah, you play him. But if you yeah, if you don't, then that there's no reason to have one. Other than to say you've got a limited Mbappe, I suppose. The flex. Keep it for the flex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never, like, the truth is, you're never going to win. Like, you're not winning with four players. Like, no, that, that, that's no. happened. That's happened in the past. I remember the early days of So Rare when there wasn't that many people playing it. Mm. You know, we're talking like a thousand, thousand odd users. There were weeks, like, particularly midweeks, where people would win with four or they would roll with a known DMP goalkeeper and just you know, take, a, take a price. Yeah. Like, the volume of people on the game now, these days are over. Like, that's mm. happened like you, you know you you got lucky with the good times but the good times are not going to keep rolling like this is a ma ma more mature platform now and you know there were weeks where, like like Sarah introduced that like rightfully so introduced that you needed to score at least a point to win a prize because there were some really really odd weeks but I think like that's natural like that's expected that's like entirely reasonable for the like sustainability of the platform so like i don't see like how you can be upset about that i think what is important is like is dmps like you're you're not going to win if you have a single dmp like yeah, so then no you know a big part like and i know psu is is someone that really really does this and i try to do as much as i can alongside work but like spending hours trying to get the most up-to-date availability news for your team like it, it it's grind it's hard work but you know like sometimes it's also it's out of control but you know it's an important factor and sort of one that has to be sort of bluntly stated is that the level of competition in the game now means that you've got to have all five players hit like yeah. 
you're not going to win without like you're not going to win anything decent without a clean sheet and i think that's like that's fair like yeah yeah you know if your team haven't done well they haven't done well like i think like you know I think that the, the scores required to win will evolve, but I think like there is an element of anchoring of people that have been around on the platform for a while in thinking, oh, well, I used to win with this. And it was like, okay, well, that was more a case of like the platform developing a maturity and being possibly too easy to win. Like I do think there needs to be a balance, but I, I will credit to Sora for adding in the underdog and the specialist is that they have given you know, people with smaller budgets, more opportunity to win. They are more skill-based games. And I think the underdog was a, you know, particularly underdog rare every week was absolutely perfect for people that were targeting threshold with a common goalkeeper because you were buying players that were typically 50-point average. So, like, that, what Sura have done there, I, I really do credit them for it because they've improved the diversity in terms of the people that win. And I think that that is good. Like, that is really good. Like, honestly, like, I actually think that it would probably be a bad thing long-term if I was, you know, if we were all hitting stars every week because it means that yeah. it's the same people winning week in, week out. Like, don't get me wrong. There are certain, like, super elite managers who put a bucket load of cash in early days that are reaping the rewards. But yeah. what I think Sora has done a good job of recently is diluting that. By add, you know, like adding in specialists, adding the in underdogs, adding yeah. yeah, absolutely, you're adding all of these different tournaments, and it and it puts more emphasis onto people that are willing to spend time rather than money, and I think that's been an important step. And like one of the things I do wonder about is will we see like regional specialists and regional underdogs added in the future? Yeah, particularly with the amount of leagues we're getting added now and the amount of cards mm. that are going to be available in this reward supply. That could be a, a really interesting next step and one that are, like really does provide utility to the lower tier cards and an opportunity for a greater variety of people to win. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I wouldn't like I wonder if they replace the existing tournaments or not. And that is something that Sarah will have to decide on, I suppose. Mm. Um, I think they, they've shown today that they can add in new tournaments. So, <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. Un- underdog, uh, underdog division two. Anyone? Uh... <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be exciting? Um, I do think, like, I do wonder though if they do that, if they replace them, because I can see with the matchups we have this weekend, um, I can see there being like. 420 points required for a challenge euro rare pro prize like not not podium not star a tier two prize like i can see there it being 420 so mm-hmm. and i think people are and like you know at the start we've said you know people on twitter have been angry this week about the points required to win and i think if so red do want to lower that their only option is to introduce restrictions into the leagues mm-hmm. so I wonder if they do it. I would be much happier if they introduced it as a separate league, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that would be a really interesting tournament. Um, rare pro specialist, mm-hmm. where you have to mix super rare and rare cards. Yeah, it would. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like. I'd give credit to them. Like the new, the new leagues have been good, um, and I have really enjoyed them. But mm. yeah, I think that that potentially brings our conversation to a close i find it quite interesting uh, i have really enjoyed the chat today so thank you ever so much and yep, we'll see you next time